the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. Hello, it's good to be with you today. Michelle Stanley's my name. And on the program, the big topic of conversation across the north, rainfall. That is the sound of the Todd River. It's flowing in Alice Springs for the second time in two weeks. A little bit further north, some pastoralists in the Territory are pretty pleased with the falls. It's just been um, good follow-up rain all the way through. Uh, you get a bit of sun and then you get a bit another storm just when you need it. It's, it's been one of the better, better breaks to the season in this country, I would imagine. You'll hear from Super Jack Station very shortly. But in WA's Kimberley, the floodwaters are starting to drop and it's feared tens of thousands of livestock have been lost. It's probably as bad as I thought it could be. And I was quite optimistic we could work our way through it a bit more efficiently than what's occurred, but the inclement weather just didn't allow us to get airborne in time before the waters got to us. So. You'll find out exactly how pastoralists are faring over the border today. On a lighter topic, though, I wonder if you grew up in the bush, what was it like for you? 0487 1057 is the SMS. If you have any childhood memories you would like to share about life as a young tacker out on a station or in rural or remote Australia, 0487 1057. It's pretty fun. There was 10 of us. There was 10 kids all up on Brunette back then. There's good good lifestyle growing up as a kid. What's it like having the only little kids living on Brunette? Oh, it's challenging. New learning curve for me. Let me know. You'll head out to Brunette Downs for a taste of the action, but I'm keen to get your memories as even a parent or a kid growing up in the bush. 0487 991057. For me, it was catching yabbies in the dam on school holidays as well. Marin up the creek in summer. 0487 991057. Share your memories of life as a kid in the bush. It's 28 to 1 on the country hour and it has been a wet weekend in central Australia with ex-tropical cyclone Ellie coming back through the territory and dropping more rain. At the Newmont gold mine on the Tanami Road, work has been impacted by the heavy rainfall and road closures. Justin Demillion is the general manager of the mine. Justin, what's the weather been like out there in the last few weeks? Um, morning, Michelle. Firstly, I'd just like to put my thoughts out to all the people and communities that have been impacted by Cyclone Ellie and the flooding events in Northern Territory and WA and I hope those communities got through that safely and they make a rapid recovery when the waters retreat. Um, at Tanami we've got a very resilient um, team on side and I'm really thankful for the people that work through this challenging period and they've done a great job implementing our wet weather response plans. So the impact to us from Cyclone Ellie was the first time we've been impacted by the same cyclone twice and we've had our highway to, to site cut off just before Christmas on the 22nd and we've had our road closures which impact our operations quite significantly. But we prepare for this so we've managed through that wet period and during this time we've had a couple of heavy downpours that have um, impacted our sites and have prioritised our people and triggered our emergency activation plans to manage excess water before we could return to normal operations. How much rain have you had out there? 
I think over the last three-day three day period, we had over 250 millimetres of rain. Wow. So what does that actually mean for your operations? During the heavy rain, we had a lot of water building up around our processing plant and on some of our roads. And obviously the road closure on the Tanmore Highway has an impact to us. But we've been fortunate that through this period, our airports remained open. So we've been able to continue accessing site um, by our, our charter flights through this period and bringing in fresh food. Are the workers appreciating the, the weather cooling down a little bit? Uh, yes and no. It's been a very challenging period. And like I said before, we've got a resilient team that not only had to work over Christmas and the New Year's period, but also had to make a lot of sacrifices on site with the wet weather. It's certainly not ideal conditions for us. What kinds of sacrifices are you talking about? Uh, things like a lot of water around the camp, some delays in our bus timetables, um, spending a lot of time in water and in some trying to pump water out of certain areas. Yeah, it's not ideal. And and you mentioned the Tanami Road has been closed since around Christmas or just before. What has that meant for, for things at the mine? Every year we spend a lot of time preparing for the wet season and building up stocks before the before the rain comes in. So we prepared for it and we've got contingencies for a few more weeks, but we're certainly looking forward to that road opening up soon so we can start bringing in um, a lot of stuff that we need. Are things like food or, or things for the actual operation of the mine? More things for the operation of the mine, so um, diesel in particular, um, reagents that we need for the processing plant and cement for our operations, as well as um, fresh food. Obviously, that would be a, a big one for the crews. If the Tanami Road doesn't reopen in the next week or so, what will that mean for your operations? Will you have enough supplies to continue operating? Yeah, we, we plan for about eight weeks of, of road closure. So we're probably about halfway through that now. So um, if the road's open in the next couple of weeks, the operations shouldn't be impacted. But any ongoing sustained road closures will start having an impact on our operations. So aside from, I mean, you're obviously getting short on supplies, so hopefully that will open up soon and, and get you back to normal operations. Have, have operations had to... Um, stop at all aside from you know having to pump out water and, and those kinds of changes have you had any major disruptions at, at this stage you have had um, interruptions from the rain but nothing um, significant in material we always prioritize our people in the environment so when it looks like we're going to have water building up overflowing we'll stop where we need to and then we'll start up again so the heavy the heavy rains impacted us slightly but the operations are up to um, normal operations at the moment and do you have any idea when the road might reopen? Um, no, I wish someone would help me with that one, but <laughs> we've certainly got our fingers crossed. Um, it'll be in the next week or so. And um, we're very encouraged and supportive of the government's commitment to seal that, that highway to Tanamai. It's definitely going to help us over the next 20 years of operations, and we look forward to working and supporting them to make this project happen. On the Country Hour, Michelle Stanley with you, and you're hearing from Justin Demillion from the Newmont Tanami Gold Mine. It's been pretty wet out there, but Justin, you just mentioned um, the future operations at the mine, and there is a pretty big expansion underway. Can you tell us where that's up to? Yeah, sure. Um, the Tanami expansion is our growth strategy and includes installing a one and a half kilometre deep shaft and other projects that will significantly increase our production and expand our life and mine. What it does for us is it enables us to become a long life, low cost operation in the Northern Territory. 
creating jobs and opportunities for decades to come. So what we're doing, or what we have completed so far, is we've managed to complete building a new village. We've built and installed and commissioned a temporary winder that we can use to start shooting out our shaft. And the focus this year is um, a lot of underground work, building an underground crusher, some upgrades to our processing plant and continuing with our shaft lining. And that will mean quite an extended life of mine and the volume of, of gold you're hoping to mine. Is that right? That's correct. It's a significant investment in the Northern Territory and it's one of Newmont's strategies to extend our life of mine and we'll be mining for another probably two decades in the Northern Territory and increasing our production. How much are you hoping to increase your production? So currently our operation produces about 500,000 ounces per year. The extension expansion project will allow us to increase to about 600,000 ounces per year. So a 100,000 ounce increase in our plans going forward. So a significant change. Mm. And I'm assuming that would mean, well, at least in the construction phase, quite a few jobs for the, that part of the world? Yeah, absolutely. About 500 people are involved in the construction works. And like I said, they will create jobs and opportunities at Tanama for another two decades to come. Will there be any further ongoing jobs, you know, once you have kind of gotten to that point of expansion or will it be the same number that you have on the ground in operations at the moment continuing? Once the construction phase finishes, we'll go back down to our normal normal operation numbers and the construction people will move on to other projects. But we still have about a 1,000 people involved in our current operations, including contractors. And how are you going with workers? It seems to be quite the shortage right across Australia in every industry. If you've got big expansion plans, do you have the people on the ground to make that become a reality? We're always looking for good people at Tanami. I think that the challenge that we have, as most people in the, in the industry have, is finding good people to come and work at our operations. So we've got lots of opportunities and we're always, um, always trying to keep ahead a little bit there. And it, and it is a challenge to find good people or people in this market. Do you do anything differently to try and attract people? I know in Western Australia, mineral resources has really gone hard on trying to find people out of different industries for their um, their iron ore pro- project in particular in the West Pilbara. So, you know, looking at hairdressers and, and big advertising campaigns and that kind of thing. What do you do to try and compete with some of the, the bigger players and some of the other pools to that employment pool? It's always um, really challenging to compete with the big players in the market. But what makes what makes our site special and what people appreciate is the... Um, the long life and the steady, the steady employment opportunities that we have, and the really great teams that we have on our on our site. Justin Demillion, thanks for your time on the Country Hour today. He's the acting general manager of Newmont's Tanami Mine. It's nineteen to one to the north of that mine at Superjack Station. Rob Savage says it's been a great start to the wet season. Well, it's pretty good out here at the moment. We've had uh, you know big rain now for the last three months sort of 167 mils since the beginning of October, so it's been a really early wet. hope it doesn't stop, but yeah, it's just rain feed up to your knees and yeah, wherever you want to go, um, the country's looking excellent at the moment. And a fair bit of rain in the past few weeks as well. When did that start falling at Supplejack? Yeah, we've had... Uh, 
oh, just for the month of January so far, we've had 124 mils, you know, which is five inches in the old scale, and 248 mils for December. So it's just been um, good follow-up rain all the way through. Uh, you get a bit of sun and then you get a bit another storm just when you need it. It's It's been one of the better better breaks to the season in this country, I would imagine. Um, just don't want it to stop. Obviously, we've got plenty of hot weather to come yet in February, so um, hopefully we can still get a bit more rain and have a bit of moisture still around coming into the colder months. Have you had any damage that you're aware of from, from these falls? Oh, we had a few floodgates disappear early in the piece that so we've had to fix, and we haven't got out just lately now. It's, it's been... You know, we've had sort of 11 days of constant rain, so haven't got out lately, but certainly plenty of um, wash on the roads and that sort of stuff. There's a lot of creeks in this country, so they, they're all flowing. And, you know, at the, even at the moment, we've got creeks flowing onto the actual main road and running down the main road. So there'll be extensive um, sand drift and that sort of stuff on those roads, plus the erosion. Um, so they'll be out for trucks now for quite a few months, I'd imagine. Right, so a bit of work to do when that dries up, but uh, take it this is this is good news for you um, still? Yeah, certainly. Certainly uh, good news actually on the property side of things. It's, it's not so good on the main roads because, you know, once as, as far as moving livestock out after the wet, it's going to be dependent on the main roads coming down and opening up so we can get cattle back out as early as possible after the wet. So we'll be relying on on the graders uh, to get in as early as possible, but uh, certainly um, we'll take it every year at the moment, the way it's the way it's fallen. Speaking of the roads, Rob, uh, there's been a fair bit of work, it seems, on the, the Tenemai um, over the past six months or a year. Are you seeing the benefits of that out at Supplejack? Oh, we will see benefits of it. Apparently they're bitumising 150-odd kilometres on that on, on the Tanami, so when we truck cattle south, obviously there'll be a big benefit. Certainly save those cattle a bit over those corrugations. But a lot of our cattle go through to Darwin, or the the Brahmins going through to that live boat trade, and so unfortunately the road north of here for the you know the 150 odd k's immediately north heading heading towards Darwin is is. Um, well, in some places, not formed up whatsoever. It's still a flat, graded, uh, narrow road, and and there's lots and lots of creeks across it. Very little um, money spent on that road. It's just a, a a very quick opening grade at different times. So uh, that 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 road certainly could be could have a lot more um, money spent on it and and brought up to a better standard. But we will certainly see the benefit of of, of the 150 kilometres of bitumen on the on the Tanami as well, and hopefully they can once they do this first 150, they can they can do another 150 and and make um, Tanami you know nearly a a seal road and have it all year traffic. That road to the north, uh, have you got any idea of how that's looking at the moment, especially with the recent rainfall? Oh, uh, it would be it would be impassable. Uh, that's that's where we've got creeks at the moment that actually flow onto the road and down it because they haven't been um, the creeks haven't been opened up on the opposite side of the road, kept open. Uh, too much silt and that sort of stuff's built up over the years, and so the roads become the creek in different areas. 
and uh, there's numerous creeks. So there's there's uh, multiple causeways that should be should be uh, brought up to a better standard with concrete or bitumized across those causeways, and to bring that um, road up to where we need to be today to to get livestock out. You know when when they need to go. That's Rob Savage from Superjack Station. He was speaking with Max Rowley, 13 to 1 on the Country Hour. You'll get the latest from the Kimberley floods very shortly. After this from Sarah Stora, it's called Sweet Dreams. It's called Sweet Dreams. It's from Sarah Stora, 9 to 1. Know your emergency plan this summer. A third consecutive one in your... And rely on ABC to be with you. What can I do? Broadcasting up-to-the-minute critical information. We have issued an emergency warning. Online at ABC Emergency and on your local ABC radio. ABC radio, reliable source for information. Stay safe, stay connected. I don't know what I'd do without the ABC. Download the ABC Listen app and stay connected with your local ABC radio station. G'day, my name is Neville Namanyuk. I'm a tour guide in Kilda National Park and this is Country Hour. Michelle Stanley with you this afternoon. I hope you're well wherever you're listening, online, in the car. Let's check in with the Kimberley flood event now. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, landed in Broome last night. Today he'll be joined by WA's Premier, Mark McGowan, heading out to the flood-affected Fitzroy Valley. They're expected to visit the evacuation centre in Fitzroy Crossing take a look at some of the damaged areas, meet with locals, some of the evacuees, and then head back to Broome to meet the volunteers and frontline emergency services workers there. Anthony Albanese has said he'll announce a significant emergency assistance package today, which includes a $10,000 grant for housing repairs and up to $10,000 to replace household items for people affected by these floods. But as the waters recede in parts of the Kimberley, the full extent of damage is becoming clearer to pastoralists. Jack Andrews is the chair of the Kimberley Pilbara Cattlemen's Association. He also works at Yeda Station where they've had about 350 millimetres of rain over the past few days. He says it's still too early to put a definite number on stock losses, but it could be in the tens of thousands. There will be significant stock losses. People aren't in a position to be able to quantify what that is and may not be able to quantify that for months to come. It's almost a case of collecting what's uh, what's remaining and counting those and then trying to work out what's missing Pastoralists closer to Fitzroy Crossing itself are now airborne and carting fodder into stock that are isolated on islands and making sure that they have feed in front of them. Where I am now, we're actually where the water runs into the ocean, so the, the river's due to peak here, hopefully today. So we're currently at this end, just we're still basically in the managing the, the flood phase. Right, okay. So you mentioned there's significant losses. Are we expecting it to be sort of in the, the thousands, do you think? Unfortunately, I believe it will be. Once again, hard to quantify. Optimistically, everyone maybe hoped it would be in the hundreds initially. In saying that, it's probably going to be in the tens of thousands once this is concluded. Mm. And what about infrastructure damage? What are you hearing about that, Jack? Uh, Certainly some homesteads that have had damage and have inundations. I haven't spoken to them recently, but there are certainly some properties that have had water go through their buildings so that there's always 
significant damage when water of this volume runs through a building. Fencing, uh, there will be thousands of kilometres of fencing that I'd imagine won't be standing anymore. Um, looking at the sheer volume of water and just the, the spans of water that's running through the property I'm on at the moment, it will be astronomical amounts of fencing and infrastructure that won't be around anymore. And we've all seen the footage of, of the roads and the damage it's doing to concrete and bitumen. So fencing material won't stand up to that pressure. You mentioned that there's a fair bit of um, work going on now to protect the cattle that are remaining. Can you talk us through the details of that? What are the main concerns for pastoralists now for those remaining cattle? For the cattle that are isolated, it comes back to an exposure issue. If they're still standing in water on islands or or even if they're on a dry island, then there's the, the challenges around actually having enough pasture in front of them, looking at the parts of the property I'm on, there's a lot of mud, so there's a lot of grass covered up. Therefore, there's not a lot of pasture available to animals that are isolated along the edge of the rivers. So we've had that, obviously, that initial influx of water and, and whatever losses experienced now, it's going forward. It's about trying to manage what animals are still around and ensuring that we can look after those. You've got the Prime Minister and the Premier heading to Fitzroy Crossing today. What sort of support are you hoping for from them? Well, firstly, I'd just like to acknowledge that they have come up into the area so quickly. So we're grateful that they're, they're in the area and they've taken the time to come and, and look at, I guess it does summarise or point out how big an issue and how big a challenge this flood event is and will continue to be. There'll be certainly a lot of various industries hurting. The pastoral industry no different. It will require a sustained, coordinated, prolonged approach from various agencies, but it's going to be, people are going to be financially hurting and they'll also be you know, there'll be the emotional toll as well. So what we'll look for from those that are visiting and those in power is, you know, some funding models, but also some really stringent coordination and quite a nimble approach in getting these operations back up and functioning because the isolation is, is real with the roads that are cut. So we're going to have to think outside the square a little bit, I think, in how we, we work through the recovery phase. Do you think there will be operations that won't survive this hit? Oh, pastoralists are quite resilient, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be real pain. To say are there going to be businesses not here moving forward, I'd really like to think that that's not the case, but that doesn't mean the hurt isn't real. The stress is certainly real, and we certainly do not want to see any enterprises not uh, continue to move forward post this. Uh, people will rally around each other as they do. We'll need ongoing government support to continue to, to rebuild because this this is not going to be a couple of days, weeks or even months. It could be years before people are back up and operating as they were, say, December 2022. Mm. What's the KPCA doing? What are your main priorities for the next uh, few weeks and months? A lot of it is communication and coordination, working with the various departments and just ensuring that pastoralists have, have food, both for the pastoralists and for the cattle. But it is just trying to make sure that uh, there is... The KPC, they heard, the pastoralists are heard and that the coordination is efficient with the resources that we have on the ground. The recovery phase will, as I said, it'll take quite a long period of time and we just have to also make sure that we all understand the mental health side of this and the anguish that comes with one of these these events. And the KPC will continue to talk to members and work through that, to be there in the background, to be the support that it needs to be to help the members through this scenario. And how are you going, Jack? It must have been a, a tough... Tough few days for you. Yeah, last time we spoke, it was still raining. We didn't 
really understand what we were about to embrace, I suppose, or was what was coming at us. And now we're, it really is we're in the cold light of day and it's probably as bad as I thought it could be. And I was quite optimistic we could work our way through it a bit more efficiently than what's occurred, but the inclement weather just didn't allow us to get airborne in time before the waters got to us. So, yeah, like most pastoralists, right now it's just being proactive and, and trying to ensure what animals we have are getting onto high ground and we'll continue to do that. But it is certainly it's distressing and it's it's stressful. And There's this initial adrenaline phase where you, you work your way through it, but I'm sure when it's all, all settled, there, um, there'll be some time for re- reflection. That's Chairman of the Kimberley Pilbara Cattlemen's Association, Jack Andrews, who was speaking with Steph Sinclair about the impact of the flooding in the Kimberley region, some serious stock losses by the sounds as a result. And uh, I guess we won't really know for some time just quite the extent of those losses. The Prime Minister and WA Premier are heading to the Fitzroy Valley today. Extensive support packages are expected to be announced and it's been flagged by the the WA government that that will include support for pastoralists as well. In the Territory, with the flooding from ex-tropical cyclone Ellie, the Victoria Daily regional communities who have been affected, they'll also have access access to some assistance, the disaster assistance as part of the Commonwealth State Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements, which is co-funded by the Commonwealth and the Territory Government. So there's more information about that online. If you search for um, disaster flood assistance, it should pop up. I'll catch you just after the news. It's one o'clock. G'day, my name is Millika. I'm the local butcher in northeast Arnhem Land, and you're listening to The Country Hour. Hello, hello, it's five past one. Michelle Stanley with you this afternoon. How did you grow up in the bush? What was it like? If you have any childhood memories you would like to share about life as a young tacker out on a station, maybe out in rural or remote Australia, 0487 1057 is the text line. What was life like out at the station or out in the bush as a kid for you? It's pretty fun. There was 10 of us. There was 10 kids all up on Brunette back then. It was good, good lifestyle growing up as a kid. What's it like having the only little kids living on Brunette? Oh, it's challenging. New learning curve for me. You'll head out to Brunette Downs for a taste of the action a little bit later this afternoon, but I'm keen to get your memories of life growing up in regional Australia. 0487 991057. What did you love? What did you hate, maybe, about the isolation? Would love to hear from you. We'll talk about that before 1.30. Let's head to the Bureau of Meteorology now, though. Sally Cutter is with you. Sally, uh, what's the rainfall been like over the, well, over the weekend? Oh, there's been pretty big rainfall totals in the last 24 hours. The top was Mount Lloyd with 85 millimetres, and these are Central Australian 24-hour rainfall totals, so it gives you an idea how big these are. The Undulia, 84 millimetres, which looks like it might be a January record. Alice Springs wasn't far behind with 83.6, and that was the third wettest January on record, and the last time it was that wet was back in 2001. Wow. The yeah, it's so it's been it's all been really really wet. So it's yeah. So that was 30th of January 2001. They had nearly 100 millimeters that day. 
But the, even once we get Schwartz Crescent, 79, the Telegraph Station, 78.6, Big Dipper, 72. You've got to go a fair way down the list before you get to somewhere that's not in Central Australia, which is unusual. You normally all the big rainfall totals are in the north, and the, whereas this time it's the other way around. And it was just happened that we had a, a band of, of line of showers and storms, slow moving, that formed up and to the south of the trough that's coming out of, of the now weakened low over the, the Tanami and just dropped those really big rainfall totals. Yeah, it's not going to continue for very long though, is it? It's starting to dry up around the Territory? Yes, it is certainly starting to dry up. We, we've still got a little bit of rain down through the southern parts and it's been pretty light. The Territory grapes had 2.4, to Goves had 3.6. So we haven't had that much rain since 9am this morning and it's just been some fairly light light rain but it has been quite cloudy down through the southern parts still so that but that should the cloud might hang around a little bit longer but the rain is going to ease and ease off we're not going to see the so going from tomorrow onwards we're unlikely to see these bigger totals might still be some odd larger totals tomorrow but generally we're on an easing trend is there anything on the radar to tell you when things might pick back up and we might start getting, you know, that rainfall back again? Uh, down south, it looks like it's there's not going to be all that. So it was going to continue to the slight, slight maybe medium chance and around for the for the next week. In the north, we're going to see the showers and storms to regenerate. We've got a bit of a trough developing south of the top end later in the week and that's going to help kick off those showers and storms, particularly through the Gregory and Carpentaria districts and the southern parts of the top end. But it might also help the, around the northwest and top end as well as we go towards the weekend or into the weekend. Is that a, a monsoon trough in the top end? No. It, it, so we, we will have winds... So there's low-level winds coming in from the west and so it's really a bit of depth but whether it quite meets the definition there's the air doesn't look like it's going to be coming across the equator into it so it doesn't it's going to feel probably feel slightly monsoon so it's not quite going to meet the technical definition but we'll have a close better idea when when we see the analysis closer to the time there is still a flood watch out for parts of the territory what do people need to know about the that warning Basically, we're still going to see those heavy falls across, or widespread falls across the southern parts, and possibly even some still those isolated heavy falls up to 100 millimetres. And what it's really the main the main thing is it's just going to add to the the flooding that we're seeing through that area, which is not not good if you're sort of wanting it to sort of ease off a little bit. But hopefully, things are going to be becoming a little bit more isolated and. So effectively, it's the significant water level rises in rivers and creeks and the overland flooding, which is probably one of the, the major issues, along with the, the roads may being big or may be becoming impassable. So it's probably just to check, check the forecast, check the roads reports before you head off anywhere. But we should see those conditions ease, as I said, tomorrow. Yeah, and hopefully that'll mean that, yeah, the roads start drying up. Um, Sally, is there anything else we need to know uh, about the weather over the next few days? No, just the, in the north we're sort of going in a little bit of a lull and things clearing up in, or easing off down south. So it's ho- hopefully to, we can, to people who like solar power, sort of hot, even solar hot water, sort of going to get some sun on the, their panels to get some heat. And down south where we have had that rain, hopefully the roads will be drying out and people will be able to move around a bit. 
Yeah, fingers crossed. I have certainly been enjoying the um, the warmer weather and the sunshine. It's um, a little bit, yeah, it's nice to have a bit of a break from all the rainfall, although that is also still important. Uh, Sally, thank you for the your time this afternoon. We'll catch you later on. That's okay, thanks. From the Bureau of Meteorology, it is 11 past one. You're listening to the Country Hour. Michelle Stanley with you. And before half past one, we're going to talk about life on the land, particularly as a young kid. And I'm really keen to get your memories on 0487 1057 if you've got a memory to share of life growing up in the bush. Nominations are now open for Farmer of the Year with 10 categories spanning all ages and stages of life on the land. Let's recognise the hard work of our rural leaders, innovators and farming legends and celebrate those in our rural sector who go above and beyond. You can enter yourself or someone you know at farmeroftheyear.com.au Proudly supported by the Condinen Group and ABC Rural. With plenty of rain around Alice Springs in the last 48 hours, that is the sound of the Todd River flowing. It's flowing through the town for the second time in two weeks. The ABC's Xavier Martin is down at the banks of the mighty Todd. How's the river looking this afternoon? G'day, g'day. It's looking absolutely beautiful down here. And I'm just here in the corner of, of uh, Will's Terrace, and uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. The river's running behind me, um, cutting off Will's Terrace Road. I've got road closure signs here. They're all down, but obviously this is just usual stuff. You know, this is nothing too out of the ordinary. The river is probably, probably a good 30, 40 metres wide. It actually is quite a wide river when it does flow, um, but it's a gorgeous sight to be seen. Down here in Will's Terrace, and you might be able to hear, I'm, I'm walking a little bit closer right now. It is very, very loud. The water is gushing the overside, over the other side. It's covering the whole road or a section of it right here. But uh, there's definitely plenty of water still to come up up, up north. How, have there been uh, many people out and about checking out the flow? Yeah, and that's one of the most amazing things to see when the river does flow. People come out in droves to see it. Yeah, people come down with their phones, take photos. Kids come down, take their shoes off, running through the water and stuff like that. Obviously, we have a river here that is uh, usually very dry, but uh, it's a real novelty to have this amazing water park coming through town when it does come down. And um, probably the best thing about this, obviously, after a few days when everything does clear up, is it will be filling up those water holes down south, you know, Emily Gap, Honeymoon Gap and stuff like that. And when we get to the 42, 43-degree days, which we will have eventually, um, those fresh water holes will be nice and full. and um, everyone will be out and be able to swim to them in them. But right now it looks fantastic. There's probably hundreds of people up and down the water. People are coming out having a look. And uh, probably the most amazing thing to see besides the water is just the greenery. Mm. You could be mistaken for standing down here in Tasmania or even like some of the wetter parts of Victoria. It looks amazing. Not the uh, yellow or brown dryness that we're used to in Central Australia. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a sight when it goes green, isn't it? What was the rain like over the weekend, Xavier? Yeah, it really came down hard. And it's what I've said to a lot of people in Central Australia. You know, it do- doesn't rain often, but when it does, it absolutely buckets down. Started off steady, uh, obviously, on, on Saturday, Sunday, with a, l- a little bit of a drop here and there. And then by the end of it, it was just absolutely gushing down. And I think by about four or five o'clock yesterday, it just started raining and just didn't stop all night. We've had a few breaks this morning and we're having a bit of a break now, but uh, it's obviously it's been quite consistent.
You've been speaking to the head of the McDonnell Regional Council. What have they had to say about the communities impacted by all this wet weather? Yeah, and as lovely it is, it is right here to see all this lovely water here in Alice Springs. It does, every time it rains down here and we get a decent amount of it, it does cut off a lot of remote communities. Um, for example, Larapinta Drive, which is the main highway running west out of Alice Springs, that's been completely cut off at the moment by water. And it's good to mention as well that it's not just the Todd River that flows. There's many creeks, the Fink River and a few others around Central Australia that get all this water and cut off different areas around here. And they run through and down south through the, uh, the, the ranges here. So the combination of having the hills and the creeks uh, really does cut off a lot of places. So we were speaking to Jeff earlier today from McDonald Regional Council, and he was saying, you know, usual message, stay where you are. No communities are really uh, put out at the moment. There's plenty of food in the area and uh, obviously the number one safety message, which is don't drive through flood water. But uh, I'll throw to a snippet from Jeff right now and he can tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, look, most of them are in the, the western area, in the West Max area. So they're probably the ones that are cut off at the moment are Kintour, Mount Liebig, Papunya and Hearts Bluff. Um, they, they were impacted in the previous rain event that we had around Christmas and New Year. So they've had an additional rain. Um, we do have uh, two airstrips which are also closed out there at Mount Liebig and uh, also at Hearts Bluff but we have two bitumen strips at Kintour and Papunya, so they're both opera fully operational at the moment. Can you tell me about, I guess, getting essential supplies to these communities? How's that going? Okay, look, um, as I say, there's no, no transport at the moment by road, so it'll have to be by air. But uh, the reports as of this morning is that the, all the community stores still have stock. They are running short of perishable stock and fresh stock, but they do have a lot of supplies of uh, hard and canned and frozen goods. So we expect that if it can be cleared by the end of the week, then we'll be able to get additional uh, supplies into that, either by road or by air. If it doesn't clear, are there any essential supplies you're concerned about? Are you hearing from the community that there's concerns about? I suppose the food supplies is the, is the main thing. Yeah, it's, uh, we have sufficient supplies power and water build up uh, sufficient supplies of diesel uh, for the powerhouses um, so they're all they're all fine for at least another month and we've also got our fuel supplies so the, that's the main ones to ensure that we've got those essential services are running in the communities um, that way the communities can continue to operate all our services are still operating out there we've got a month's supply of food for our aged care program so we have sufficient stocks out there to keep our old people and serviced so that that's the the food usually is the, the main critical uh, goods that we need to get out and what would you say to community members in these isolated communities to i guess you know if they're concerned how would you encourage okay look the biggest messaging that we put out at the moment is don't travel it's very important we we uh there's limited resources out there and if they travel and they get stuck, um, that just chews up the very limited resources that police and, and the rescue have. Um, so, yeah, look, that, that's the messaging we're putting out. We've got messaging going out in language as well. So that's come through um, the Department of Chief Minister and Cabinet. They've done a lot of interpreting and they're putting those messaging out, it's going out on Facebook as well. So that, that's our biggest message at the moment is stay put, you have ever, all the services you need where you are 
and unless it's absolutely critical, uh, yeah, stay home uh, until we get a chance to really assess the road. Some of them have still large volumes of water in them and they might be six inches deep or they might be six foot deep. We really don't know until we get out there and have a chance to assess the roads. That's Jeff McLeod. He's the CEO of the McDonnell Regional Council, speaking with Charmaine Allison. And before that, you heard from uh, Xavier Martin from ABC News down in Alice Springs at the bank of the Mighty Todd River flowing for a second time in just a couple of weeks. So great to hear uh, that people are out enjoying that on the text line 0487 991057 Alan says on the topic of rainfall his heart goes out to the pastoralists in the NT and WA for the loss of their cattle and the huge jobs ahead of them over the next six months the losses for some will be huge. Thank you for that, Alan. And absolutely, our thoughts go out to everyone who's been impacted. Great news for some with the rainfall, but of course, um, others are going to be counting the losses for quite some time. It's 20 past one on the country hour. Michelle Stanley with you this afternoon. This is Morgan Evans. It's called Big Skies. It's Morgan Evans. It's called Big Skies. Yeah, g'day. It's Jeff Fawcett from Adelaide River. During the dry season, I go out and we do a bit of contract buffalo catching, bull catching. When I get a chance, I like to tune into the ABC Country Hour. 24 past one. Talking about buffalo catching, how about this? Staff at the Catherine Hospital were pretty surprised last night when they found a buffalo wandering the grounds. Dan Fitzgerald, what happened? Yeah, they could have used Jed's help there. (laughs) So um, late last night, security guards at the hospital, uh, yeah, they came across this big buffalo in the grounds of the hospital. Um, And for those who don't know, the Catherine Hospital, it is on the edge of the town and it's right next to the Catherine River. So this uh, buffalo must have wandered in from the scrub there looking for for some sort of a feed. Um, And it's found its way onto the hospital grounds. Uh, Security didn't really know who to call, so apparently they called the police. Um, and the police helped uh, chase this uh, this big buffalo out of the grounds, and Lorette Monaghan, she posted a video of this muster on the Facebook, and if you listen closely, you can hear the, the buffalo's hooves uh, on the bitumen in the car park. It's good use of the police siren yeah, the there. Yeah, the police behind them. Out. You can hear uh, Lorette laughing in the background as well. <laughs> yeah, quite a scene. And it wasn't a small buffalo. This one had a sizable set of horns on it. Uh, so, yeah, a, a bit of action overnight at the, the Catherine Hospital there. Oh, a bit unexpected. Thanks for that, Dan. It's 26 past one. Could you imagine just walking into the hospital and, no, there's a buffalo there chasing you. Uh, it's good to have you along on the Country Hour today. Michelle Stanley's my name. Now, if you've grown up in the bush or maybe you brought up a family in rural or remote Australia, you will know that it has its challenges, but I'm sure you can agree there are plenty of positives to having an enormous outback playground. On ABC TV's Backroads tonight, Heather Hewitt travels to Brunette Down Station to catch up with Ashley Sutton and her husband, Billy Dakin, as they go mustering with the kids. This is cattle country on a grand scale. They pride themselves on producing some of the best beef in the world. Jackaroos and jillaroos, called ringers in the top end, camp out for weeks at a time to work with the cattle. 
We'll let them go back on the road, eh, guys, and we'll keep marching. Good work. Head stockman Billy Dakin has some extra hands on this trip. <laughs> no, don't throw it from there. His wife Ashley and their kids are camping out with the team. One of the perks of living out here is that the family can come along. And the kids love coming out here? Yeah, yeah. yeah Paddy does, yeah. Paddy, Paddy's rare. He's good. He loves it. <gasps> Throw it in the fire! Throw it in the fire! Yeah, now knuckles. Knuckles. Throw the knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mum and Dad were assistant manager here in 2005. They were, and I started school, started year one here. And what was it like as a kid growing up here? Um, pretty fun. There was ten of us. There was ten kids all up on Brunette back then. It was good, good lifestyle growing up as a kid. What's it like having the only little kids living on Brunette? Oh, it's challenging. New learning curve for me. I don't have anyone to go, oh, how did you do that? But I'll have a go. Google helps. <laughs> Brunette mightn't use as many horses as in the old days. Work Adam and I. But I'm amazed to learn the station still runs more than 150 of them to work the cattle. Hey! To understand how they properly work, you've got to be on the ground with them and you've got to be on the horses with them as well. You can work a mob a lot better, I reckon. You learn how to read your livestock a lot better. What do you love about it? Ah, oh, just the lifestyle, I reckon. Like, yeah, camp out all the time and... Um, Get to work the horses and work with the team, a real good team. And uh, kid like Paddy's growing up in it. He, he'll come along, same with Abby, and yeah, it's yeah, just a good lifestyle out here. With your kids doing the yeah, same thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah you get a bit of free labour. <laughs> <laughs> That's Billy Dakin and his wife Ashley Sutton from Brunette Downs Station. They'll feature on tonight's episode of Backroads. You can check it out on ABC TV at eight o'clock tonight or on iview if you're not in front of the telly this evening it's 29 past one we've had a text in from alex at alice springs he said it was interesting to hear the local rainfall figures in and around the alice in my brand new rain gauge at pitchy richie sanctuary located on the bank of the todd river immediately south of heavy tree gap Alex recorded 104 millimetres total rainfall for yesterday and last night. Alex said it was quite a baptism, one might say. Thank you, Alex. And, yeah, some pretty decent rainfalls. Alex Springs Airport, Alice Springs Airport had 84 millimetres. Mount Lloyd had 85. And you heard Undulia had 84 mils, which is thought to be a January record. Quite significant rainfall down there. Stay safe if you're driving on the road, of course. I'll catch you tomorrow. It's 1.30.